Lax 904 presents This Week in North Florida Lacrosse. Brought to you by First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor, and M Shack on 1010XL. Now here's your host, Ray Carnicelli. And welcome to This Week in North Florida Lacrosse, This Week in Lax 904. I am Ray Carnicelli, joined by Christopher Milo and Mike Atzi Atzenhofer in the studio today. It's game week here in North Florida. We've got a great show for you planned today. We want to thank our sponsors, MSHAC, Cantina Louie, First Coast Crush Lacrosse, and Derek Prince Realtor. So, Chris, it's lacrosse season. It's game week. Wednesday night, Flagler College hosts Embry-Riddle. What do you think about year two for the Flagler Saints? I'm excited to see what Coach Duncan um, does. I know, you know, first year is always tough, new program. Uh, they were club for a while. Duncan's been around that uh, around Flagler College for a little bit. But I'm excited to see what direction he pushes them in and how far they've come since last season into this new season. Well, we're going to talk about I've got some good intel on both teams. Embry-Riddle, Coach Wims sent me uh, a note uh, telling me some key players to watch. And uh, Coach Duncan sent me a book. Uh, but he's also going to join us at the bottom of the hour, so we look forward to catching up with Coach Duncan. I'm going to be calling that game Wednesday night. Anybody and everybody, if, if you're a lacrosse fan and you have the ability to get down to Flagler College Wednesday at 7 o'clock, it's a beautiful facility. It's a beautiful area. Uh, really looking forward to seeing Season 2. And Coach Duncan's got a good mixture of uh, some new guys, uh, returners, some tra- big, big-time big transfers, and uh, he's pretty fired up. Yeah, also, you know, the new stadium that they had built, um, I haven't been down there. Have there been any more upgrades since last season? I haven't I been down there either. I so. know it's it's a process. They wanted to get the field turf in, some of the stands, but I know they've talked about press boxes and stuff. So, um, you know, let's watch out for uh, Flagler College in the next couple of years. They're going to have a premier stadium with uh, premier players and obviously a premier coach and Coach Duncan. And then Saturday, Saturday night, what – a lacrosse-filled fun weekend planned at Jacksonville University, highlighted by Johns Hopkins at Jacksonville, 7 p.m. And the Florida Lacrosse League crossover games are all going to be there. It's something that Coach Galloway has pushed for. He wants to make Jacksonville the lacrosse capital of the South, and there's going to be a few hundred lacrosse players out there playing and then watching. They're going to have a beer garden. It's going to be a beach party. Uh I, I am so excited for that game. Yeah, so, you know, just being one of the leaders of the um, Jacksonville Armadillos, the the Masters team, so the older guys, 35 and up, it's something that we've been trying to do for a while. Um, glad that Coach Galloway has kind of come on board with it, and we're excited. So it's going to be the open division, which is the younger guys. So we got a lot of uh, former Division One, Division II, II talent from all around the state that's going to be playing. Uh, you know, obviously some older guys that were former Division One that are going to be playing. So we're starting our games, uh, the league, Florida Lacrosse League, is going to start their games around noon and then uh, lead up, play all our games. We're going to have a great tailgate, league-sponsored, and then we're going to go into the Hopkins versus um, Armad- uh, not Armadillos, uh, Dolphins game. 
Yeah, so JU and Hopkins, 7 p.m. So this past weekend, yesterday actually, Johns Hopkins scrimmaged against Denver, and I got some good intel out of that. And Jacksonville had a good showing up at UNC against the North Carolina Tar Heels, so we'll talk about that a little bit as the show progresses. But to preview Hopkins in Jacksonville, I couldn't think of anyone better. Last week we had a Blue Jay, Quint Kessinick on. This week we've got Mark Dixon. He's a former Blue Jay lacrosse player, commentator for the Big Ten Network and ESPN. And as you know, Hopkins is in the Big Ten, and I don't think anybody uh, is dialed into Hopkins uh, as much as Mark Dixon is. So looking forward to having Mark on. So, Mike, uh, glad you could join the show today. Uh, later on in the show, I'm going to ask you a question, so you have you have some time to think about it. Your greatest lacrosse experience, okay? Can you, can you do that for me? Absolutely. So, Mike, Ferris State, you're probably the second most famous lacrosse player uh, that's a Ferris State alumni. Tell me about the experience of having another lacrosse player at Ferris State this year. Well, it was uh, pretty incredible to see a, a guy that was... The Tuarton winner. Yes. Uh, then get to be quarterback with Ferris State's football team and to watch him run up and down that field and to see his speed was in the transition he made to football yeah, was really incredible. Yeah, Bernhardt was an incredible guy. We got to watch him in high school and then in college at Maryland, and then you got to enjoy him up at Ferris State. So, Mike, we'll talk to you about the good old days, uh, your for- first time uh, um, being introduced to lacrosse, and then you can take us down memory lane a little later in the show. Sound good? Sounds good. So, Chris, we talked about we're going to talk about Embry-Riddle at Flagler, Hopkins at Jacksonville, but this week I I tweeted out the list of all the Division One players from North Florida, and it's pretty incredible. Yeah, go. Do you want to name a couple of the players right now? Who, well, who we got out there? Why don't I there? just go ahead and, and name them all? I was hoping you were going to stall while I while I pulled it up, but uh, you weren't playing along there. So you got Dylan Hass, Max Shallot, Carter Parlett, Eric Dobson, Ashton Wood is back. So we're going to see some more Ashton Wood at Mercer in conference. Glenn Mendel from Creekside's at uh, Mercer as well. Nolan Parlett, see if he's competing for some time in goal for Air Force. Uh, you've got Freddie Amato at Lehigh and Freddie DeMarzo at Utah. We've got the Smith brothers, Reed and Davis. Um, very excited uh, for those two who are going to be very important to Jacksonville. Zach Bender out of Creekside is at uh, Bryant, really strong program. And then Nace and Corbett and Sledzik, Ponavidra, Ponavidra Bowles, are up at Queens in conference as well. Joe Terribaletti at Denver, and Jimmy Burns is now at Stony Brook. So if we take all of those players and put them on a team, do you think that they would win the A-Sun? Uh, I don't know about win the A-Sun, but I think uh, I think we might be able to uh, make the playoffs, be one of the final four. That's a pretty good team to that, put together That's a right pretty there. good team. If you figure that, you know, you've got Ashton Wood winning faceoffs, probably, um, you know, Parlat, he's a, he's a rookie, so having a, a rookie goalie, but uh, there's some goal scorers with Hess and Dobson and Tarabaletti, and um, it would be fun. It just goes to show that these high schoolers that are competing, that we get to enjoy, and, and watching some of these kids come up through the youth uh, lacrosse, you know, they're taking it to the next level. Um, we've also got uh, some other guys. We're going to talk about some D2 and D3 guys. Guy Bistro down at St. Leo. 
was uh, named to the honorable mention All-American list in Division II out of Providence, guys now at St. Leo. And then Jack Dowd out of Ponte Vedra, Salisbury first team, first team preseason All-American. So excited to watch all the D2 and D3 players. And then, you know, people want to hear about the MA, uh, MCLA, and uh, I saw Stefan uh, Stefan Mostovich's name on the uh, preseason watch list for the uh, Southeast Lacrosse uh, Conference oh, nice. for, the, for the Gators. So throughout the season, we'll we'll be uh, keeping an eye on all of the players contributing. And for Flagler this week, they've got a couple of uh, new local additions. Uh, uh, DeGantz out of Fletcher is mm-hmm. down there, and uh, we we really enjoyed watching um, uh, uh, Hoosier out of uh, Episcopal yep. as well. So he's down at Flagler, and then Hemingway out of Nice will be at Embry Riddle, the big defenseman out of Nice. So a lot of lacrosse players taking it to the next level. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Mark Dixon of ESPN and the Big Ten Network and preview Johns Hopkins at Jacksonville. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010XL. This Week in North Florida Lacrosse on 1010XL. You can run Welcome back to This Week in Lax 904, I am Ray Carnicelli, joined by Christopher Milo and Mike Atzenhofer. It's game week, Embry-Riddle at Flagler and Johns Hopkins at Jacksonville. So that God's going to cut you down by Johnny Cash blasting. You can almost see Mark Dixon walking down the arena, getting ready to jump into the uh, the, cage, the cage for the cage match. Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing great. And that was, uh, man, that was great to hear that song. It just flashed me the... Uh, the images of, of kingdom. What a great show. I can and almost they, uh, picture you jumping into the ring, ready to kick off this season and start brawling. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still recovering. I tore my Achilles back in October, so I'm not even officiating, let alone, uh, Ooh. doing any, doing any MMA, but, uh, we did, can all dream, right? Did you hurt yourself doing something fun? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell the story and, um, and people, whenever I say it, they're like, really, that's what you're sticking to. Um, I was playing pickleball when I did, Ooh. and Ooh. it was the first time I played pickleball in years. And I just went out on a nice Saturday with some friends, and about a half hour into it, it's uh, kaput on the Achilles. So I wish I had, I wish I had a better story. Skydiving, old man lacrosse. Uh, there's so yeah. many different options. But market burglar. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 game week, and you know Jacksonville got on everybody's radar. Last year, they came out and opened the season against Hopkins, and it was a close game. It was 11-8, to and then they went on to beat Duke, and you started hearing the rumblings and who's Waldbaum and who's Griner and Milliken and Cage and winning faceoffs with Cap, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're starting to get ranked and they creep up. So here we are. There's no surprises anymore. There's some questions about who's going to make it on the field. There's been some, some injuries. Uh, but just give me your overall impression of where the Jacksonville program is and what we have to look forward to next Saturday night here in Jacksonville when Hopkins comes to town. So I, I think we've talked about it through the years. We're like, you know, when is Jacksonville going to break through? And 2022, I think, was that breakthrough season for the Dolphins, the win over Duke, the win over Denver, um, and losing in the conference tournament to Richmond. I mean, it, you know, that, that's what kept them out of the NCAA tournament, obviously. But, I mean, just a year to build on, you know, rankings and 
you know, uh, players getting national headlines and that kind of thing. So I think that, uh, you know, the Atlantic Sun is definitely winnable conference for Jacksonville. And, um, you know, they could they, they got a team that's going to build off of that strong momentum from 2022. And I think when you say, what, we, what can we look forward to on Saturday night in Jacksonville? Hopefully you get some nice weather. Hopefully you get a great crowd and a terrific atmosphere as the, as the Blue Jays come to North Florida to, to take on Jacksonville to open up the 23 season. Mark, we've had this Florida Lacrosse League here in Jacksonville since I I started playing right right out of college in '90, and it's a huge league. It's a open division, and there's men's division. They have a crossover a couple times a year, and all the games for the crossover are going to be at JU this weekend at Jacksonville University. So they're having a beach party, separate tailgating for all the uh, the old men lacrosse right out of college guys. Uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, like I said, a beer garden, music, it's it's going to be festive. And I think Jacksonville is is ready to play. They're ready to come out of the gates. And the reports out of Hopkins are they're, they're, they're pretty excited. What are your Hopkins brethren saying? You know, we know about uh, Degnan. Everyone's excited about Collison. Who's going to play goal? Just what's the uh, temperature up there in Blue Jay land? So I think that uh, there's some excitement at Johns Hopkins and, and it kind of started in the off season with the hiring of John Crawley, uh, 2017 graduate of Hopkins and all American. And he spent his last couple of years at Lehigh as the offensive coordinator. So he comes on and then Brian Kelly, a, a teammate of mine graduated in 93 came on as the volunteer assistant after spending, uh, about, you know, 10, 12 years as the head coach at Goucher, a division three program in Baltimore. So that right away got things really excited. Um, and, and there's, Things are happening at Hopkins for the first time in three years. An alumni game hop happened in the fall. The smoker is back uh, the night before the Georgetown game, I believe, the home opener for the Blue Jays. So things that have been missing out of the Hopkins lacrosse community, and, and really, you know, you listen to the podcast, I, I thought it was unnecessary for those things not to be back last year. But they're back this year. It's created a lot of excitement. Um, Russell Melendez is a transfer from Marquette that – has played very well. People are really excited about him. Alex Mazone is a graduate transfer from Georgetown on the defensive end. People are really excited about him. Uh, they scrimmaged Denver yesterday, and by all reports, the Blue Jays won by a couple of goals, and the uh, the Blue Jay faithful saw some really positive things. So uh, I think there's some excitement at, at Johns Hopkins, and um, but, you know, that doesn't take away the fact that they're going to come down to Jacksonville next weekend, Ray, and I, they're going to be the underdogs. I think that Hopkins, and you might think that I'm nuts for saying that, but I think Hopkins will be the underdogs against Jacksonville next Saturday. Well, they they are according to uh, DraftKings right now, so you're not wrong there. And you look at <laughs> you look at you look at Jacksonville's uh, on paper, Intrieri, Dylan Watson, Jacob Greiner, and Max Waldbaum. There's a question there um, based on his health for Waldbaum, but those guys were all you know, 30, 40 goal scorers last year. And so you've got whichever three are playing the attack position, you've got some firepower there. And, you know, Mark, preseason rankings and player rankings, you know, we all want our guys to show up on there. But when I didn't see Luke Milliken even in the conversation as one of the top six, seven, eight goalies in the country, I, I scratch my head because, you know, when he's a UNC transfer, had a great season last year, I, I just feel like if he had the exact same skill performance and was wearing the Carolina blue, he would have been on all the lists. He was number five in save percentage, number one in goals against average. He is a top-level player, and he, 
great in the clear, and he settles the defense. And then you look at uh, Danninger out of Rutgers coming in, listed as a short stick defensive midi. I know that he was, uh, you probably got to call some of his games when he was at Rutgers. Top level player. Zach Deacon, another short stick defensive midi, NLL draft. And probably the most underrated player in my mind, Tucker Garrity. Keep an eye on this guy as a short stick defensive midi slash rope superstar and Bryce Wanovich. You can go on and on. There, there's going to be some questions. There are some questions at close defense. There are some questions at the midfield depth. Got a guy named Brendan Galloway transfer from UMBC. Ethan Lamond broke out last year for JU at midfield. Marshall McGuire, Brendan McKenna, and we'll see some new faces. But what are your questions when it comes to Jacksonville? What do they have to answer? Well, first of all, you're, you sounds like you know you're calling the game next Saturday night. Sounds like your boards are almost ready to go. Joe B would be very proud of you. Uh, He's my role model, and I do have I do have my <laughs> boards all put together here. So, <laughs> yeah, though no, Joe would this is music to Joe's ears. Um, I think for me with Jacksonville. Again, new conference, and uh, when, you, when you look at that conference, and I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit, Utah, I think, is that golden goose. You know, the, the Utes beat Jacksonville last year by, what, six, seven goals. So I think you're looking at your circling Utah. Air Force is a, is a holdover from the SOCON uh, that you're going to have to pay attention to, um, obviously. But I think it's, for, for Coach Galloway, I think it's building on the success of last year do we take that next step forward or do our heads get big and we stop doing the things that propelled us last year and we take a step backwards that can happen with programs that haven't had a ton of success in the history of their program i think the other thing is how do these transfers blend in to what you already have and you know when you look at the graduate transfer situation that you have right now you have kids that you recruited that are freshmen, sophomores, juniors that have worked hard, worked within your program, and you want them to develop, then all of a sudden you get, you know, five, six, seven grad transfers that come in. You sprinkle that on top of of what you have. How does that mix? Is it a good mix? Does it just kind of all come together, or do they just not blend? And so – you know, you mentioned some of the grad transfers. They're incredible players. I mean, Dylan Watson, tremendous goal scorer. Danninger, part of, you know, with Kamish and Coyne at, uh, at Rutgers. Really, that was their second midfield. Their, their short stick D mid group was their second midfield. Um, so how, does, how do they blend into the culture and the program at Jacksonville uh, is a question mark uh, that I have for, for the Dolphins. So back, back to JU, or excuse me, back to Hopkins. Uh, Coach uh, uh, Milliman comes in last year. You know, the, I don't think there were very high expectations. Everyone wanted him to get get accustomed to the culture, get his staff built, get some of his players in. What are the expectations for Johns Hopkins this year in terms of do they have to make the NCAA tournament? Is competing and being considered one of the top teams in the in the Big Ten in the very tough Big Ten is that enough in year two? I think. The one thing for Hopkins is have a winning record. They've had sub-500 records for the last two years and um, make the NCAA tournament, or at least be in a position to make the NCAA tournament. You know, it's interesting. Um, Hopkins, 2010 was the first time in, gosh, 
was it 10 or no, it might've been 2013 where Hopkins didn't make the NCAA tournament for the first time in close to 50 years. And, you know, the last couple of years, I know it was conference only in 21 and last year, 22, it, it's time for Hopkins to stop saying, you know, it's because of the pandemic or it's because of coach Petromala. Like those excuses, I, I, I you know, 22-7 loss at home last year in Maryland. That had nothing to do with COVID. That had nothing to do with Dave Petramala. Um, so you need to get that out of your mouth. Um, and I think having a winning record and vying for uh, an NCAA tournament berth, all six teams will make the Big Ten tournament this year. I think those are two things that the Blue Jays really need to be striving for in 2023. Mark, we're battling the uh, radio clock here. It's not not like the podcast where we can just go on and on and on. But uh, the the goalie battle, before I let you go, the goalie battle, they've got some talent in goal, I feel like. I mean, Caracciolo is a, a proven entity in Marseille and Versfield. What do you, Versfeld, what do you feel about the, the goalie battle? Do you think there's a clear number one, or do you think we may see uh, multiple goalies early in the season? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, and I think Brian Kelly, the volunteer, has taken over the goalie responsibility as Coach Milliman had it the last couple of years. Marcel played the first half yesterday against Denver. And then Versveld and, um, gosh, i got to learn the other young man's name, uh, especially for our Big Ten broadcast. Um, those guys split the second half. My personal favorite is Jack Webb, the, uh, the sophomore out of Loyola Blakefield. He's a uh, He's a kid that I know very well. He played with my sons uh, at Loyola. Uh, I'm not sure what his position is, but look, you know, when you're looking at Marcel, he's the guy that did it a couple of years ago. You know, got hop when Hopkins got hot down the stretch. It was Marcel that was that that backbone of the defense. But I don't have any insight into who the front runner is. If you're basing on yesterday's scrimmage, you would think it's Marcel. Um, but I think it is a wide open goalie battle and. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays, if they're smart, they'll probably keep the, the you know, the Dolphins guessing <laughs> until, sure. until until Saturday night at faceoff. Mark, before I let you go, I've got one question for you. In Division One, how many teams do you feel have a legitimate chance to raise the trophy Memorial Day weekend? Right now, based on the preseason, I'd say five. Five, okay. Maryland, Maryland Virginia, Georgetown, Notre Dame. Jacksonville. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. <laughs> I, I would. I was going to say Yale. Okay. Um, but uh, but Jacksonville. Hey, listen. You the know, Yale of the guys, South is what we call it. So it was close. There you go. I mean, you guys get. I mean, listen. You, you, you Jacksonville has a lot to be proud of. You have a lot to be proud of, and you've done a great job, Ray, in promoting uh, Jacksonville University. But not just them. Florida lacrosse altogether. It's growing by. It has grown. It's still growing by leaps and bounds. Um, you know, it's a tremendous state. Uh, I, I was with uh, my son, Owen, who's at the University of North Carolina. We had a, his official visit last weekend in Chapel Hill, and us and a couple of other families were talking about retiring to Florida. Uh, so, I Come mean, on down. You, guys got, you guys got it going on, for sure. And you've done a great job. And, you know, Jacksonville, again, they're primed to take that next step in 2023. And maybe it's not too, uh, too far in the offing when we're talking about quarterfinals, semifinals and maybe eventually a national championship for the Jacksonville Dolphins. Well, Mark, thanks for the kind words. I love throwing out the names like Dylan Hess and Eric Dobson and uh, so many of the, the local players who've gone on to great things in the NCAA. And, you know, we've got about 20 Division One players right out of our 904 area code and, and about five, six, seven more uh, next year. And we appreciate 
you always being so generous with your time. Tell Joe B he's got a fan down here, and uh, hopefully he would be proud of my boards. And I cannot wait for your coverage throughout the spring, the podcast, the game calls, uh, your tweets, all of it. Looking forward to it, Ray, and I hope you have a great season and enjoy the call Saturday night. Sounds like it's going to be a blast. It is. uh, Jacksonville. Mark, thank you so much. That was Mark Dixon of ESPN and the Big Ten Network. We're going to go take a break and come back with Brian Duncan, the head coach of the Flagler Saints. You're listening to This Week in LAX 904 on 1010XL. You're listening to This Week in North Florida Lacrosse on 1010XL. Welcome back to This Week in North Florida Lacrosse, This Week in LAX 904. I'm Ray Carnicelli, joined by Mike Atzi Atzenhofer and Christopher Milo. The M Shack is one of our sponsors. Chris, favorite thing to order at the M Shack? You only get one item, not like a meal, one thing. Sunrise Burger. Sunrise Burger. I'm going with one of the milkshakes. Um, you can have some of mine if I can have some of your own share. <laughs> we've done that. We well, yes, we've we've cut uh, burgers in half and and shared before, so that's I'm okay. First Coast Crush Lacrosse. Love the guys at First Coast Crush. They do a great job promoting the game the right way, from uh, you know beginner skills right on up to very competitive lacrosse. And we're going to have the guys from First Coast Crush on this season. Derek Prince, Realtor. You know, Derek's been such a great member of the community as a, a restaurateur, as a, um, obviously as a real estate agent and the support he does for all sports in his community, but particularly lacrosse. We want to thank Derek. And if you have any real estate needs, reach out to Derek Prince, Realtor, and Cantina Louie. So, Mike, you recently moved back to town. Have you been to Cantina Louie yet? Not yet, but okay. uh, that's on my list. We We will be. We'll be stopping there. So, how how great is Mark Dixon? Oh, it's it's awesome. I he makes my job very easy. I just kind of sit back and listen. Tee it you, up. You, well, you do a great job of throwing him some really good questions. But again, it's like Quint Kastnick and 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 Carcaterra and these guys. The knowledge that they have about the game and everything that's going on is 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 awesome to listen to. Just as a as a fan, uh, hearing him on the radio. So we're efforting Coach Duncan. He told me that uh, he was going to be out on the fields. You know, the guy never stops. He's doing some youth uh, clinics and coaching right now during his time off from being a NCAA Division II coach. He uh, he just gives so much. But we'll uh, we'll get Dunk on. Excited to call that game and then uh, on Saturday. So what jumped out at you about the conversation with Mark Dixon in terms of Jacksonville and Hopkins? Well, one of the big things was uh, actually I wanted to ask you because I've been sick the last couple of weeks. That's why I wasn't on uh, last weekend was um, Dylan Watson, the transfer from Georgetown. He's good how, at lacrosse. How, well, I, I know that. How is he fitting into the system in Jacksonville? How is that working with Waldbaum and Griner and Entrieri? That's four impressive top D1 attackmen. How does how's Coach Galloway going to work that is is it yeah it's gonna... it's funny because the the whole language around lacrosse has uh, changed a little bit in just the last four or five years you, you hear in terms of offensive player or defensive player and not as much he's an attackman he's a midi back in the olden days when I was playing in college you had your attackman they had their roles you had your ex-attackman you had this guy who's a feeder and a score. You had your crease guy, and then you had three lines of middies that played both ways. And nowadays, it's 
interchangeable for the most part. It's still nice to have a good quarterback like a Jackson Intrieri, so impressive. Last year as a freshman, big things coming from behind the cage. This year he's turned into a goal scorer and not just the assist man. But to answer your question, I think it's going to be seamless. Uh, the reports yesterday out of North Carolina and the scrimmage up there were that Dylan Watson looked in midseason form. Uh, and then we don't know Wildbaum's availability you know, there's some concerns there, and it just goes to show that you, you need that depth. So if it ends up being Griner, Intrieri, and Watson predominantly down low at the attack position, you know, I can't think of a you know a better combination in, in Division One. Now, Max is very dynamic. He brings some th- things to the game with his big body and his ability to kind of post up and back in and roll both ways. Uh, so he's definitely, if he's not there, he's, he's going to be missed. Uh, but I think we're going to be excited to to watch what Dylan Watson can do because you have to pay special attention to him. And the man up is going to be so fun to watch this year. You know, you look at last year's game, Hopkins versus Jacksonville. It was 11-8, to eight, and it's a new year, but there's some key things. Jacksonville, you know, surprised some people. But if you were to go back and look at that game, you know, 21 turnovers for Jacksonville. You know, you cut that down, and, it, you know, it's a different game. Uh, face-offs last year, Cap was 9 of 21, so 9 wins, 12 losses. Uh, if they can kind of even that out a little bit, um, it's going to be a, a great game. The shots last year were Hopkins 45, Jacksonville 32. So a lot of possession, a lot of shots. And Luke Milliken, you know, I, I rave about him week in and week out. He had 17 saves against Hopkins last year, 61%. So we need that type of consistent performance and calm and poise and patience in the clearing game just can't be excited I mean can't be any more excited than I am right now it's it's the defense is the question mark Chris yeah and and I know you talked about that last week on the radio um but so far do you kind of have a feeling of who that those top three guys are going to be or is it still kind of a question mark in your eyes I have it Uh, I have I have it no I'm speculating we don't know uh you know, Jack Heed's been steady. He's he's a captain, very dynamic player. So excited to to see what he does. You know, the coaching staff loves Troy Hediger uh, as a as a defenseman. I just haven't seen enough of it. I you know I know he's a great athlete. I know he's a great leader. I know he's a great lacrosse player. I don't know if he's a great close defender. Mm-hmm. And Davis Smith, we all know he's steady Eddie back there. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Baduris is another guy that. Expect to see big number 34 out of Colorado as a freshman playing. And then there's a couple of other freshmen. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But we've got the professor, El Professori, Coach Brian Duncan. <laughs> Dunk, are you on a lacrosse field? I'm on the lacrosse field. Uh, the chances were pretty high. Chances were pretty high you were going to be on a lacrosse field. Yeah, I, I like being out here, you know. Well, we just had Mark Dixon on, and he texted me after the segment and said, be sure to tell Coach Duncan I said hello. He he uh, loves what you're doing down at Flagler. Uh, he's one of my favorites, man, an old teammate. So, so Dunk, it, it's game week, year two. Like, I just got chills just saying that to you. you. You sent me all those notes. I asked you for a couple of tips, and you sent me, I think, the, the entire scouting report. So thank you. How excited are you for Wednesday night? You know, we, we've had a pretty good fall of getting guys to kind of believe in what we're trying to do here together. We brought in a bunch of transfers. So, you know, when you do that, you don't know exactly how that's going to roll with all the guys that are here. But they came in not thumping their chest, and they came in and earned spots. And 
the guys have accepted them. And I think uh, after all the hard work we've done, we, we're ready to unleash and, and see kind of who we are. Last year, you uh, had a pretty good showing in the Peach Belt Conference. Uh, the state of Florida in Division Two is so strong. I think there were four teams ranked in the top 15 in Division Two from the state of Florida. And the teams left out of it, there's like three or four more that could easily end up in the top 20 at the end of the year. And I, I feel like looking at your roster, the returners, and the, the guys that you're plugging in, in terms of improvement, how much stronger is this roster from last year? Um, you know, it's, it's totally different. I mean, we got guys that came back as freshmen, you know, to be sophomores that have put on 15 to 20 pounds of, of muscle. And we got guys that, you know, come in that are juniors basically in school, but sophomores is playing eligibility. So we're starting to get some age and some size. And and I think that's really going to help us as far as the depth of our team has gotten better just because we had good players here. We brought some good players in and now there's been a ton of competition to try to be the guys on the depth chart and uh it's the first time we've actually done that we put the get a depth chart together and and it and it's kind of it, it's played itself out through the fall and, and the early part of the spring with either injury or or just hard work and guys showing who they are so now we feel pretty good and, and we're not just like one guy deep you know we have a couple guys behind each other pushing all the time we call it push and pull you know we're trying to push each other and pull each other to success dunk getting to to wednesday and emory riddle you know i called that game last year and you guys came out and I think you surprised them a little bit. And I had some communications with coach, uh, Wims this week, uh, trying to get an idea of some key players to, to memorize, to call the, when I'm calling the game, what do you expect to see out of, uh, Embry riddle? And what do you expect the atmosphere to be like, uh, over at Flagler on, uh, on Wednesday night? I mean, if it's going to be anything like it was last year for the first game, I think there was a thousand people at Embry riddle watching that game. And, you know, I think we're going to have a pretty good crowd here this uh, this week. Um, I think Embry-Riddle is just a veteran-type team. They've got a lot of guys that return, and especially on the offensive end, they're attacker goal scorers, and, and they put up points. they got middies that can run, and uh, they got a big, rangy defense that's coming back as, like, sophomores and juniors um, that I think are going to be a pretty steady D. They brought in a um, junior college goalie, and plus they had a really good goalie there, so I think they're going to be strong in the goal, and I think it's going to be a great competition, and we're going to try to see kind of who we are in 2023 by playing a good team right off the bat. When you think about uh, Ty Tom and Drew Flagg and Shaw and Pritchard and the guys you've got coming back, and I see Garrett Moore's there now and a couple of the local kids, and I know you're excited about the freshmen and Garrett McNulty out of Lynchburg. It looks like you have uh, a depth of scoring that maybe you didn't have last year. You know, you, I saw defenses – focus on Tom and Pritchard. It seems like you're going to be have a much more balanced offense. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I, I feel like offensively we definitely have more guys that we can throw and, and you have to pay attention to. Um, you know, there's some shooters that we've added this year that's going to help us stretch a defense slightly more than we had the ability to do last year. And then because we're having those shooters, now we have guys that have the ability to re-dodge at some key, key spots on the field and you know, guys like Ty Tom, if you're getting the ball to him later, you know, a Garrett Moore or a Ty Douglas or a Pritch, like those guys are dangerous if they're, if they got a big shooter sitting around them just because of the stretching of the defense, they can get in there and get to the goal later in the set. So I do believe we're a little better um, on offense and I think we're a lot better on defense. And uh, I think our goalie plays pretty steady and, and hopefully in our face-off circle, we, we continue to grow. 
Well, Donk, I'll, I'll let you get back out there to, to coaching, but can you pass on a message to our listeners and the North Florida lacrosse community of why they should come out to uh, Flagler on Wednesday and throughout the season and what they can expect at your beautiful facility? Well, I think, first of all, just coming and seeing the facility that they've taken the time to build for us, to, to build a program with, um, is obviously the first reason to come out and see. Um, the second part is I think you're going to see an exciting lacrosse brand. You know, we're, I think we're a, a chaotic type team that wants to try to create opportunities in the middle of the field and, and, and through the ride and, and through, you know, aggressive clearing after saves. You know, I think it's going to be an exciting brand of lacrosse to come watch. So come on out and support the Saints here in 2023. It's going to be very cool because February 1st are the earliest games in in the NCAA, and your game's going to be broadcast. So I have a feeling on Wednesday night there's going to be a lot of people following the Flagler Saints. And all of the best to you and your team. I'm looking forward to catching up with you Monday night and then uh, again on Wednesday. Yes, well, we appreciate you having us on, and thank you for the support, Ray. All right, that was Coach Brian Duncan of the Flagler Saints, year two of – the Flagler program, and as many of you know, uh, Coach Duncan started as an assistant uh, for Jacksonville University with Coach Kerwick the first year of the program. Uh, the first season was 2010, and uh, he's done so much for lacrosse, Chris. You've seen him out there grinding. He's he's with youth today. Always. It seems like every day he's on the lacrosse field talking about lacrosse. It's you know, it's it's a big part of of his life, and he's he's an unbelievable coach from youth all the way up until college kids. Uh, the, the wealth of knowledge that he has is is impressive. So, Mike, earlier in the show, I asked you uh, lacrosse memory. What stands what stands out in terms of uh, lacrosse memories for you? Well, there's really two. Uh, one is that first day when I heard an ad on the radio about coming out for the Jacksonville men's lacrosse team's tryout. What, what year do you think it was? That was probably 1989 or 1990. I had just moved down from Michigan. Never played lacrosse before. Never played lacrosse College before. hockey goalie. That's right. But I wanted a team to join. Happened to be driving in the Jeep and heard the ad, so I showed up. And, and what happened? Well, I had no equipment. I think you were the first person that greeted me on the field. Chris, ex- does that surprise you that I would go talk to a stranger? <laughs> kind of. I explained my story. You handed me a stick and some gloves and a helmet, I believe. And the rest is history. The rest is history. And then followed by the pinnacle of us winning the championship in 1995. Four. 94. 94. Which was phenomenal. Underdog role. Let's tell a little bit about the – we've got the Florida Lacrosse League coming to town, so tell us a little bit about what happened in the playoffs in 1994. Well, we were certainly the underdog. We had a skeleton crew, basically. In Naples, were we? Fort Myers. Uh, Maybe – Fort Myers or Tampa, I can't remember. It wasn't remember. Tampa, it was Fort okay, Myers Okay, Fort Myers. And uh, we we had some really good players. Just but, 13 of them. Yeah, and then I, and then there was me. Yeah. But uh, so we went over there, like I said, you know, I don't think anybody could have imagined we would win the whole thing. And next thing you know, we're jumping for joy. And yeah. I was on the field uh, for the entire game, which – was a, a, a dream come true for me at the time. and We we had some uh, really talented players. Tommy Brookman's still up in uh, Ferdinandino, Amelia Island area. I see him every once in a while out of Salisbury. Uh, Jeff Poto out of Ohio Wesleyan. Um, just a lot of really strong players. Uh, oh, for sure. 
for sure. I was amazed. The, the goalie had made some saves that weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then you, Ray, being my goalie, was another uh, great memory, and it was it was a pleasure to try and protect you out there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And one of the memories of that weekend was the uh, you know we had to play Fort Lauderdale and West Palm Beach uh, in semifinals and finals, and Fort Lauderdale was first, and we we surprised them. We won that game, and then. Uh, West Palm Beach had a cooler with champagne in it on the sidelines before the game, and they had this. Uh, their motto was "Refuse to lose." That's right. And um, they refused. Uh, we refused to lose, and we ended up beating them. And they graciously came over and, and gave us the champagne, and we celebrated in tremendous heat in in South mm-hmm. Florida playing lacrosse. And <laughs> yeah, so I want I want to go ahead and we've got a caller here. Uh, Matt, is it Matt? It is. Coach Kerwick, how you doing today? I'm doing very well, Ray. How are you? Oh, well, glad you glad you called in. Uh, what did you think of the show so far? We got Dixon and Dunk and a couple of Marylanders. Uh, every every week I get to listen to the show is outstanding, Ray. It's just a wealth of information and love hearing Coach or, or Mark Dixon. He always brings a lot of of kind of inside info and always like to hear Dunk's voice. I mean, how can you not? The guy's just uh, done so much for lacrosse in your area, so. So for, for those of you who don't up. know, Co- yeah, yeah, Coach Kerwick, uh, he was the head coach of Jacksonville University in uh, years one and two and went on to coach uh, Georgetown and Cornell. And, uh, you know, he's he's been – are you with the PLL right now? Are you with with the Chrome? Yeah, I'm the offensive, offensive coordinator for the uh, Chrome last summer, which was a lot of fun with, with Coach Sudan and Coach Monty. It was a blast. So you're coming up to call the game with me on Saturday. How excited are you to uh, be back in the booth, but to watch two top-level programs like Hopkins and Jacksonville? I'm so excited. I mean, to be able to go up there, you know, a little while back in, in, in the fall and see the alumni game, you know, Coach Galloway was kind enough to invite me back to, to see a bunch of the original guys who were there and, and just to see what he's done with the program. The support there now is incredible, and I, I know Saturday night's just going to be—it's going to be a slugfest. I can't wait. Um, well, to you've see got the, the entire Florida Lacrosse two. League crossover coming. All those guys are going to have a roped-off tailgate. They're having a beer garden. It's going to be a beach party. And so, when you were there in uh, 29, 2010, 2011, that time frame, you know, it was a grass field with uh, railroad tie seats and and porta potties. Are you still amazed? <laughs> You've been there a few times, but are you still amazed when you see the Rock Center and the entire facility? But you, what you were promised? Yeah, it, it was. You know, it took some time, and, and we knew it was going to. Um, but to see what what uh, you know, Mr. Rock has done for the place and the support that that has come from the community, really, because you know there were no alumni uh, to speak of that that we could kind of call upon to try to build what is currently there. So. They've found support in, in all the right people, and, and to see just the program and the depth of talent and, and just the, the buzz ar- around town is kind of what we had, had envisioned. You know, we had hoped that w- would happen. And I just remember that first game against Carolina, there was like 4,000 people there. And hopefully there's going to be more than that for this Hopkins game uh, on uh, Saturday. And it's just, uh, it, it's just so cool to see and to have been part of that. It, it definitely gives me a sense of pride for sure. Well, I'm I'm excited to have you up. We're running up against the clock, so I have to cut you loose. Yeah. But we'll catch up this week, Matt, and uh, go over our, our call and your notes. And you're going to get uh, get into uh, Coach Milliman's offensive philosophy. And uh, we'll hammer this thing out and uh, bring a good call to uh, the lacrosse world. It's the only game on Saturday night. 
Oh, man, can't wait, and uh, go Dolphins. All right, that was Coach Matt Kerwick. Chris, are you fired up for lacrosse season? Oh, I am. I can't wait for Kermie to come down and bring his equipment and play with us uh, yeah. earlier in the day. Are Are you playing? Uh, uh, my ACL and, and meniscus are not there just Listen, yet. Listen, Mark Dixon battled through pickleball injury. <laughs> he admitted that, too. Um, I'm, I think I'm like the eighth goalie on the roster now. You, you, if I went out there to play in the over 35, being, what, 54 now, I think uh, you guys would still have me playing midi. Yes. Well, we got Nick Colon and James Tui. Tui was the uh, MVP of the league a couple years ago when we won uh, three years in a row. So Okay, so my MVP back in 1994 doesn't count for anything? Tui's uh, uh, is a little bit uh, sooner than you Bigger, yours, so. stronger, faster, yeah. smarter, better looking. I get it. All that. Mike, what do you think of today's show? Oh, fantastic. A lot of fun. Uh, hopefully I can get on again with you. Oh, yeah. You are now our high school expert, so <laughs> get <Great>. studying. <laughs> Just a great show today. You know, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I'm going to be tweeting and writing in my newsletter this week. Go to Twitter, at Lax904. Follow me. In the pinned tweet, there's a link to get my newsletter. So I'm going to take a deeper dive into the depth chart. Got some really good notes. Last week when we had Quint Kesnick on, he said that he would send me some game notes from the Denver versus Hopkins scrimmage, and he did. So I asked him, and he sent me some commentary. So I've got a good feel for the depth chart and uh, talking to Mark Dixon about Hopkins, reading the message boards. I feel like, uh, you know, they're ready. They're going to be good. But, uh, you know, Quint asked me, you know, about JU being favored, and he kind of caught me off guard. And I think it's a toss-up. I think, you know, Jacksonville's defense is, un, uh, you know, unproven in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But so is Hopkins all over the place. Yeah. It's going to be a face-off battle. Um, face-offs goalie, like most games, stay out of the penalty box. If you can limit turnovers early in the season – so, I think it's it's going to be a great test for both uh, for both teams uh, for the first game of the season. It's going to be unbelievable game. So if I had to pick one of the most important stats, I don't know if it would be ground balls or turnovers or save percentage or faceoffs. How about we just uh, win them all? How about we won't worry about the score at the end of the game? The scoreboard. Well, it was it was a great show. I want to thank our sponsors: M Shack, Cantina Louie, First Coast Crush Lacrosse and Derek Prince. I want to thank Mark Dixon. Follow him, uh, Dixon Lacrosse, on Twitter. I want to thank Coach Duncan. Hope to see you all out at Flagler College on Wednesday. For Mike Adsenhofer, for Christopher Milo, I am Ray Carnicelli at LAX904. Have a good day. Everyone was a hunger too. Everyone was wondering what was the next thing he would do. You've been listening to the fastest game on two feet. This week in North Florida lacrosse on 1010XL 92.5 FM.